Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. to this uh, very very special um, Doctor Who uh, special we're doing, doing basically a podcast about uh, Doctor Who and um, I'm going to be discussing various things including the new Doctor Jodie Whittaker um, some of the big finish stuff and um, my thoughts about the recent season 12 Blu-ray box set uh, with Tom Baker and joining us for this discussion is Reisa. how are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well Okay, well, um, first things first, should we get on to this video that I found on YouTube? I can't remember who, who, who did it, the, the actual person, but, it, you know, he, he um, launched an interesting point um, asking the question um, about whether or not we are in the same place now with Doctor Who than we were back in 1989 when the classic series was, um, was, was cancelled. I, I watched that video and he made some structural points, uh, some parallels between the various classic doctors and the doctors we've had since the reboot. And if we are in a cycle, that cycle has taken less time to play out. But that's because the show's a different format now. If you account for the fact that the show was serialized uh, back then and took longer to play out, uh, it, it, it does parallel rather sadly. It it does in a way, but also um, you know if you if you look at Doctor Who uh, through the various regenerations, um, it was always in danger of being cancelled, even right back back at the beginning, um, because had Patrick Troughton not done as good a job as he did, um, you know taking the role over from William Hartnell, and had the writers not done such a good job of of actually writing that into the series. Um, it, it had been. It would have been cancelled then. Yeah, it would have been. And, it would have been. And also, uh, toward the end of Patrick Troughton's uh, run, um, it's actually well documented that the uh, that the series um, ratings had softened by by quite a bit, and um, it took them having to sort of like uh, modernise the series into glorious Technicolor. And um, ha- having having a new doctor, John Pertwee, take hold, and and, and that song like popularised it again. Yeah, yeah. So the so the basically the moral story is that the very format that's a risk is also the format that saved it. Mm-hmm. So 
and you know that that that's that's what kind of got that's kind of what was going through my mind when when this guy was going on about all, all the structural stuff, um, and you know and and that's kind of been the genius of Doctor Who all along. It's it you know with every regeneration of of the main character, the the structural um, building blocks of of the series ha- have changed. Um, and it, and there are interesting things that, that are coming out of Chibnall's camp at the moment, as in they're talking about 50-minute episodes. As opposed to the, the, I, the last thing I read said they were going to do 10 50-minute episodes and a Christmas special. So, mm. Well, there's, there's actually a little bit of doubt about the Christmas special because I, I spotted a digital spy article the other day that was asking whether there was going to be a Christmas special because so precious little has been heard about it. There was, um, somebody saw an, um, a BBC story editor's CV and said that he had a um, Christmas Doctor Who credit on his CV. So that that's a, a sort of educated rumor that there is going to be a Christmas special. Cool. Well, so. you know, I, I, hope it's, um, I, I hope it winds up to be true, but I'm hoping it doesn't wind up being uh, a Christmas special where we've got... Uh, Psychotic Santas and um, reindeers being killed for glue. No, I, I. My favorite Christmas special was actually that um, that superhero homage that had nothing to do with Christmas. Yeah, I, I love that, and uh, that was brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. Um, others have slagged it, but I thought it was like one the most one of the most brilliant ones they'd ever done. I, I know others have snagged it. You know, I, I I was on a site the other day, um, a, a YouTube thing. So I, I watch a lot of YouTube when I'm not doing stuff, <laughs> and I come across all sorts of different stuff. Uh, and you know, I was and this one guy was really snagging it off, and I thought, well, what's your problem? I mean, you know, song like um, the, the you know the, the the David Tennant one that guest starred Kanye Minogue for me was the worst Christmas one. Yeah, the best the best overt Christmas one was the one with Kazren Sardik, who that and they had Michael Gambon as the older version of him, and they they used Kazren Sardik uh, brilliantly in a um, Doctor Who Dalek episode that starred Winston Churchill. Actually, mm-hmm. my favorite Dalek episode they've ever done. That that was with the with the Ironsides. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they 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 actually um, nicked the idea from Power of the Daleks, which was the uh, Patrick Troughton episode, which was the first adventure he had when he regenerated. Yeah, um, no, I mean the the um the big finish one, where where uh, where Churchill goes back in time and and meets uh, Caesar. Oh yeah, that one. I, I I reviewed it a few months back. Yeah. Yeah, that, if they had offered that one as a single, I would have bought it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they've been doing a hang of a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah. Big finish of night. Um, so structural structural difficulties um, aside, with the uh, with the with the new thirteenth um, Doctor or is it twelfth Doctor? It's thirteenth. Um, she's technically she's technically thirteen. Yeah, okay. she's thirteen. Well, she she's thirteen, and uh, you know you know you have this thing with thirteen, and uh, you know rotten luck and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but that said, I, that that's probably a load of bullshit as well because there, you get thirteen full moons in a year, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but um, structural structural difficulties aside, um, 
If there were sort of like five things that you'd really like to see with this new Doctor Who, um, what would it be? Um, I would like some straight up historicals that are actually just historicals. Um, I, I, I enjoy science fantasy as much as the next gal, but my favorite Doctor Who historicals are the ones um, where the science fantasy is kept to a minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the thing is, Pyramids of Mars had some science fantasy in it, but it didn't overpower the historical elements. It was it was more of a of a piece. Um, Talents of Wang Chiang was more of a piece. Uh, the science fantasy elements tended to overpower the historical stuff in, um, in, in a lot of, not all of, but in a lot of the uh, modern historical episodes. Mm. I think one of my favourite modern historical episodes um, is the Shakespeare Code, which is the um, second adventure that the Doctor has with Martha Jones. That was, they, that was wonderful. You know, that, that was great. And I, I just, you know, it worked because, you know, you had witches in Shakespeare plays and, you know... Yeah. It, it just um, when, they, when they go with internal logic, it makes sense. I mean, that's, that's why Pyramids of Mars was so awesome. They actually went with... They actually meshed mummy mythology with, uh, with the gods and, and with the Doctor Who internal logic so that it was all of a piece. It was basically Stargate before Stargate. It actually outdid Stargate on a lot of levels. And, um, and they, they kind of lost the balance in a lot of the modern historicals. Yeah, they, they go a bit potty. Um, so yeah. that, that's number one thing. What, what would be number two thing? Um, like you said, um, allegory is fine, but don't hit us over the head. Yeah, I mean, so like, um, I, I did get the point what he was going on about third wave feminism because so like, there was quite a few episodes last season where, where, where the uh, where the Doctor was being benittled to a point where the dialogue coming out of the other character's mouth was, um, oh, you won't get it, you're just a man. Sort of thing. Yeah, no, and, that was that was annoying. And that, that was that, annoying. You know, it wasn't just annoying; it was heavy-handed and it was misogynistic towards men. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and some men would have took it that way. I, I kind of took it as if you know they're, they're having a bit of a laugh, aren't they? Sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. I can see. But I, I, I see the point. And here's the thing: allegory is built on a very strange paradox that I don't think a lot of writers fully comprehend. Um, and I've, I've actually studied allegory as an English major. And one of, and when I finished and got my BA, one of the things that I came away with was that people who already understand allegory don't need it. Mm-hmm. And people who don't understand it aren't going to benefit from it anyway. I mean, you know, to be honest, the, uh, the, the allegory in Doctor Who hasn't been allegory. It's just been outright political. Um, it, ha- it has been, at least in the modern era. You know, we saw like, um, you know, um, a proper angry would actually sort of like um, highlight both sides of the conversation and not just the one side. And does yeah, like, Who... like, like humans does. Humans does a good job of that. Yeah, and Doctor Who in, in recent years has only been highlighting the one side of the conversation and not the opposing side. Yeah, and, and yeah. That's, and that, that doesn't make for interesting drama at all. No, it doesn't. Um, so that's number two. Number three. Hmm, I would like some companions from different time periods or planets, but that we're not. We're already not getting that. 
Yeah, I, I'd like to see that. And um, hopefully, you know, they, they do pick up on that because it's something that we've not had since the classic series. Um, I mean, on the one hand, it's great that they're using contemporary companions and companions of different races and and uh, different sexual persuasions and, and whatever else. But on, on the other, the fun of having an, a, a character from back in, back in history is is the journey that actual character goes on and 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 the little the little humor you can have at that character's expense you know like for example jamie sort of like uh and 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 the way he's seen see, seen the world through 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 the adventures he had with the second doctor and and stuff like that yes yes and in fact my favorite big finish companion my, my big big my favorite big finish original companion um i think i've told you about it before her name is aramem she's an uncrowned british uh, uncrowned egyptian pharaoh mm-hmm. and she begins her she begins her journey in ancient egypt and ends up uh the prospective queen of peladon wow That's- so it's a, it's quite an arc and you end up with, and because she is not a figurehead ruler, but someone who is literally born and bred to rule at a time when people are born and bred to rule, you get some very interesting conversations about politics with her and, and about gender roles and about you know, a lot of stuff that you just don't get with the more contemporary companions. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to do number four? Yeah, go ahead. I think me for number four would be to have have less less music cues um, because for me one of the things that, that Doctor Who's you know suffered from in recent years is um, there's never really been any moments of silence between the characters where you know the Doctor said something and there's been a pause for dramatic effect and and then 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 the other characters spoken. There's always been a music track underneath, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And the doctors have had their, their a really great soundtrack, most of it, but it's been over soundtracked. And the new, the new composer is a, a young man named uh, Segun Akinola. Uh, he's uh, an up and comer, and I've listened to some of his samples, and he is more of a throwback to original Doctor Who in that he's he's very synth driven. Cool. Um, and so we're we're probably going to get a, a modern variation of what we originally had, which I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just happy they got a different composer in because, to be honest, uh, for my money, Murray Gold was getting a bit bit stale. He um, was. He... Um, I I liked a, a few of his pieces, but it's like he only knew how to write for nine and ten. Once he hit eleven, things got a little strange. Hmm. And then by the time he got to twelve, he wasn't—he didn't know how to write for twelve. Twelve wasn't his doctor. And um, okay, yeah, you, you are right. You know, twelve wasn't his doctor. I mean, I think his best work was Doctor Number, you know, Doctor Number uh, Nine and Ten. Yeah, yeah. You know, the soundtracks he did for you know um doctor number 10 and number nine would were, were by far the best um yeah and the, the matt smith stuff was okay as well but yeah um I, I think doctor doctor number 10 had the most emotive most emotional soundtrack which just built and built and built and that that was uh, that was his best work i think that's because that's what murray gold excels at and, uh, and arguably 10 was the most emotive modern doctor so mm-hmm. um number five um I've got an idea for number five. 
Go ahead. Um, could prove controversial, but I think they should bring back one of the old female Time Lords and have her regenerate into a man. Yeah, just as long as it's not Romana, we're good. Yeah, and and um, I think the first thing that they that that they should say as soon as they re- regenerate into into a man is. Oh god damn it, I'm gonna miss my boobs. <laughs> oh, something along those lines. Some, yeah. Something something along those lines. Uh, you know, kind of the opportunity that 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 the Jodie Whittaker kind of blew off because she didn't really have enough time to sort of like, you know, we only got, you know, one one um, one line from her and oh this is fantastic or was it something like that? What was it? Yeah, like? I can't remember now, but yeah. Yeah, I um yeah, the reason I don't want Romana to regenerate into a man is because even though the Doctor half-jokingly said, I can call you Fred, when they were introduced during the Fourth Doctor's uh, era, um, Romana isn't a Fred. Mm-hmm. And she's been played so far by um, some exceptionally beautiful women. And I it kind of feel vaguely insulting to those specific women, to me, mm-hmm. somehow. Well, you know, one of which... Tom Baker actually married for a short while, and yes, you know. yes, yeah, um, and and who's still alive and still quite quite lovely. Um, she's mm-hmm. aging extremely well. Okay, well, um, that that's a perfect segue for uh, my my quick thoughts on the uh, season twelve dot two Blu-ray set. Uh, yes. Now, as you know, this this Blu-ray set comprises the um, stories Robot, the Ark in Space, the Santaran Experiment. Uh, Genesis of the Daleks and Revenge of the Cybermen. Oh. So you get those. Um and they have been restored somewhat, but they don't look they don't look heaps and heaps better than did on D V D. You know? Because yeah. I think I think they did all the work on the D V D releases and they they couldn't really, you know, do do too much more. So um it's not that much difference, but I think the the main reason you'd want to get these, um, if you're a Doctor, if you're a Doctor Who fan, especially if you're a Tom Baker fan, would be for the additional extras. You know, there's there's um, extras such as like behind the sofa, and there's there's an episode of behind the sofa for each story that's on the set, and um, it's kind of funny uh, watching Jeanette Fielding, um, Sarah Sutton. Um, Louise Jameson, Tom Baker, Philip Hinchcliffe, and um, and Miss Sladen's daughter, um, Sadie Miller, Miller uh, discussing these episodes. Uh, it's it's especially poignant. Um, say, say, Sadie Miller's uh, input into it. Um, you know, given that she she wasn't even born when these episodes were made and when these episodes aired, so it's kind of, she's seen a different version. Of her mother than than, than the mum she actually knew, sort of thing. Um, even though she did watch the, the episodes with her mum, sort of yeah. thing, and, and yeah. growing up, it it it, it kind of g- gave her a different perspective on her on her mum and stuff like that. But there's lots of interesting stuff in it, and I think I think the best parts of it come from Hinchcliffe, Tom Baker, and and Sadie Minger, whereas uh, Jeanette Fielding and Louise Jameson and. Uh, and um, Sarah weren't, Sutton weren't involved in the episodes in question, so they, it's a little harder. They they weren't involved in the episodes in question for one, but they're also not following the events of the episode that they're watching. So, oh dear! So 
So they're they're kind of they're, they're kind of going on about uh, about this and that. Oh, ooh, that Cyberman looks really good. Oh, that looks really good. Oh, where are these mats come from? What's the Cybermat? Oh, we've got oh, and, and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, and and Sarah Sutton mentions right so and says, oh, I think we had some Cybermats in 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 a big Finnish adventure, you know. So at least she remembers that. But it was Jeanette Fielding who sort of like uh, was going, what are these Cybermats? Because oh, I don't think they, I don't think they had them in Earthshock, so which is her no. episode, and you know she kept going back to that, and um, had she actually been paying attention to the episode, it was explained in the first episode, <laughs> and, and I just saw like it was kind of painful to watch, but th- they were quite funny and and, and well done, and uh, there's also. Um, New documentaries that have been made apparently for each episode, but I don't think they're new. I think they came with the um, came with the set with, with DVDs. Um, and they've got um, special effects um, enhancements for Ark in Space and Revenge of the Cybermen, which you can either have on or on or off. And it basically replaces models with CGI versions of the spaceships, and the CGI versions look way better. Um, and I've not I've not watched it yet. This this one, but they've got the uh, they've got the Tom Baker years, which was actually a VHS video release from 1992. Ah. It's only ever been released on on home video, and it, I think at the time it was two cassettes. Each one was an hour and a half each, and it was basically like a three-hour documentary talking about the Tom Baker years and all his adventures. And got both parts on 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 the set, and it's never been on DVD or Blu-ray before. Oh, that's cool. So that's a that's a ring cue and extra. And they've also got um, I've only watched a bit of it, but they've got um, a very 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 really insightful uh, interview with uh, Tom Baker. Um, parts of which have actually been put on digital spy over last week um, specifically the bits where he's talking about his experience of having worked on the 50th anniversary episode and having felt ignored completely by the production crew and Stephen Moffat uh, to the point where the only person that actually did speak to him was Matt Smith and he, 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 didn't, he couldn't say more than nothing lovely things about Matt Smith because, because the way that Matt Smith you know, just wanted to spend time with him and get to know him and 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 um, was thrilled that's, to be working with him. That's really sad. It it is, and that's all like um, he, he he talks about that for quite a bit, and on the interview, it's you know it is really sad. But I mean, if, if nothing else, I mean, even if he weren't somebody connected to the franchise so irrevocably, that's not how you treat your elders. It isn't, and and here's the thing: there's actually a, an in, an interview with Stephen Moffat that came out sometime late last year about the uh, special, and he said that the special was like the worst time um, that he had on Doctor Who, because everything was having to be so rushed out there, and and there was so much to do and stuff like that. So I, I'm just wondering if the production team were so wrapped up in getting everything done and everything out that they just didn't really have the time to, to actually give Tom Baker his due. And if that's the case, they should have assigned someone to stay with him permanently and, and represent the production team if they couldn't personally interact. That's what that's what uh, interns are for. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, uh, looks like Matt Smith was the intern. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and um, you know, good on him, good on him. And and I think it's uh, you know, I just saw like and and I watched it. I was actually quite upset for Tom Baker on that, you know, because it's all like um, as you say, it's not not particularly respectful of Riodas, but it's also not particularly respectful of the most iconic actor to have actually ever played a bloody role. And, and thank you. He is the most iconic actor to ever play the role, and he's the reason that there were subsequent actors in the role. I mean, because to this day, people of a certain age identify Baker with the role, and they will until they until they die and, and until he dies. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that it is. And also, and, um, when Tom Baker had the role, it was like the most viewed television show had, had way better ratings than, it, than it's ever had in the new series. The, you know, the only person to have gotten close to the ratings that Tom Baker could demand was Tennant. Yes. Yeah. And and they had and they had a similar reaction when Tennant wanted to leave. They weren't sure they could go on for a while. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, it's sort of, it's sort of funny because he talks about his last days and dots who as well. And um, he he says that you know he he thinks he thinks that, Rus- he thinks that uh, John Nathan Turner um, couldn't wait to actually get rid of him. To be honest, oh dear, <laughs> because he was such a you know he, you know he admits to the fact that he he was quite difficult to work with on on set uh-huh. after a while because he'd gotten to know the character that much, and he he also said that he didn't like the. Uh, the, the changes to, to his costume that were made when John Nathan Turner came on board um, with question marks and stuff like that. Uh. He, he, goes, he talks about quite a lot of stuff. And uh, also in the be, in behind the sofa bits, you know, the, 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 it's actually very, very evident that the loss of uh, Elizabeth Sladen really, really impacted him, that, you know, that he lost a friend. Yeah, 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 and 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 it, and it was the same, a little less so, but just as poignant. Um, one of the big finishes that I bought on sale a while back was one of the ones that he did with Mary Tam as Romana One, and it was shortly before she died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a they had a sort of little retrospective in the extras for that one that I bought, and it was obvious that um, that that the deaths were, were hitting him hard. And one of the things that Tom Baker is going through is that he's making it to 82, 83, 84, and he's losing the companions, and he's losing these people that he regarded as friends. And he's doing he's doing the whole British stiff upper lip thing because he's that generation, but you can tell that, it, that it, it, it's hitting him. It's hitting him hard. It, it is, and, and, and the sad thing is, is he, these, these women, they're, they're passing away, and, and they're still so like a good you know, 20 to 30 years younger than Tom Baker in some cases. Yes. You yes. Know, so um, you know that they're, they're kind of dying really, really young. Um, yeah. Which is you know kind kind of kind of scary as well. Wait, it's, um, it's it's especially scary because Elizabeth Sladen was originally going to be brought in to replace Mary Tam when she died, and then she had to turn it down even even after she initially said she would go and, and do it because then she found out that she was sick, mm-hmm. and Louise Jameson then had to come in and replace the Sladen. And uh, and so now you get Louise Jameson and uh, and Lala Ward alternating um, mm-hmm. because they're the only two left. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, so should we move on to uh, sort of like a big finish? Uh, what's already out that's worth listening to and checking out, and what's coming out? 
Yes. Yeah, and there are two things I want to discuss. I'm, I'm two episodes into, no major spoilers, I'm two episodes into the Time War II series with the Eighth Doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second episode is an Ogron episode. It's the best Ogron story I've ever come across. They've justified the Ogrons. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also a loving tribute to the franchise as a whole. It's by um, it is uh, Planet of the Daleks by Guy Adams. There's yeah. a lot of really, really good episodes for them. Mm-hmm. Also, um, for both uh, Torchwood and classic Doctor Who fans, uh, they're doing a Torchwood One box set during about a set during the years when uh, uh, when uh, Yanta was there with. Um, Tracy Ann Oberman's character, who I blanked on, uh, Yvonne Hartman. And uh, it's during that, it's set during that time, and they're going to resurrect and, uh, and revisit uh, Wotan, a, a uh, first Doctor baddie. Yeah, um, which reminds me, I must get my uh, DVD box set back off Dominic of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually ended up going on iTunes and buying the uh, the soundtrack with the interlinking narration by Annie Quillis. And, um, and that, that was excellent, so I've done my homework for it. And I've been following along on the Torchwood stuff, so I'll be reviewing that because uh, I've been following along on the Torchwood bit finished yeah. stuff. Well, this and means- I'm re- really looking forward to it. Well, this month I'm going to be doing the um, probably the Eighth Doctor, what you're listening to right now. So, as as you said, no spoilers. But I'm also going to do the First Doctor adventure because I've got a new First Doctor adventure out next month. This month with uh, David Bradley reprising role. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to that. I will also be doing. Um, they've got an original coming out. Let me let me get the name right because I don't I don't want to get it wrong. They've been they've started starting doing original original stuff. It's Jeremiah Born in Time. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious about that. Um, I don't necessarily want to review it, but if you want to review it, feel free because it's an original, and I think we 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 should actually give them their due. Yes, um, yeah, I plan to review it. I don't know when it's coming out, but it's sometime this month. It's listed for this month. And another thing, so. that, another thing that I've downloaded, and this isn't Dot Who. It's um, it's based off of an old TV series from the early seventies, perhaps in the late sixties, which used to star Edward Woodward, and it's called Cannon. And it's about um, it's about um, a British spy, mm, um, okay. but he's not kind of like a British spy in in the ilk of the suave and sophisticated James Bond or anything like uh, that. He's a proper rough and ready, hard as nails spy. He's uh, like a very very sort of like um, he's kind of like the anti James Bond to be honest. Um, because he's sort of like he's not afraid to he's not he's not beyond sort of like using using extortion and torture and stuff like that. But it's basically a, a series that my dad used to watch, and I remember watching a film about it with him. And um, and big finish are doing that. Um, they've done they've released um, a box set of that, which is basically going to be in, uh, part of the new range, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, there, it, it, um, I didn't listen to it. I didn't have time, but it stars Ben Miles and Frank Skinner. I'm looking right at it right now. Yeah. And uh, for for those in the mood for that, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's excellent because Big Finish uh, consistently does just really good stuff. And for those that have been watching the World Cup, Frank Skinner is one half of the uh, fantasy football show that used to be on the BBC. 
He's also one half of the du of the duo that uh, did that song with the uh, I think it was the uh, lightning seeds, um, and you know when I'm coming, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home. It's actually number one in the British charts right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just he's got re-released, but you know Frank Skinner, he's like a well-known TV personality and comedian here in the UK, and. Um, he, he, he used to he used to co-host a, a show called the Fantasy Football Show, which was sort of like um, kind kind of like uh, a bit bit of night entertainment, but it was basically a two 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 you know it was a panel show where they they, they were talking about the week's events in in in, in football and and whatnot, but you know with with some rather comedic elements tied in. Cool, cool. Um, but you know it's. It's um, it'd be interesting to see 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 how uh, you know see what role Frank Frank Skinner's playing in it. Um, I don't think he'd be playing Cannon. No, he's not playing Cannon. See, let me look at it. Um, let's see now. Ben Miles is playing Cannon. Frank Skinner is playing Lonely. Yeah, Lonely's um, kind of like a snitch. That kind of mm. to use on a regular that makes, basis. That makes more sense. And Lonely had some, you know, pretty serious problems with his personal hygiene and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> Hence why he's called Lonely. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's, that but it's all like, um, but that, that's going to be an interesting set. And it just, it just makes me wonder what, what other new things they're going to be bringing out. Mm. So. I know that uh, for Halloween they're bringing out another original um, starring Eve Miles. Uh, mm-hmm. It's she's uh, going to be playing uh, a housekeeper in an old school British Gothic tale called Blind Terror: The Gods of Frost. Oh, I, I so know you're going to be on top of that one. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I, I I live for British Gothic ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is probably... That's the entire subgenre. So yeah. Um, before before we saw like uh, go, um, another thing that was quite interesting about that Bungie Ray box set was um, you know some some of the things um, you know Philip Hinchcliffe. I'd always was an executive. I'd always the main producer on the first season of Tom Baker's Doctor Who. Um, he didn't commission no stories. They were already commissioned by uh, Barry Nets and Terence Dix. That makes sense because so. those early stories played like they were rewrites of some stuff that, that they might have done just differently mm. but he did so. change a few things in you know in, in genesis of darnix he, he had the intro introduction of the of the time lord changed um because originally they they had the doctor meet him um in 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 some more in more of a zen like sort of like a peaceful uh place um, mm. but okay because because um Hinchcliffe didn't feel that you know, looked right, he had that rewritten so that the Doctor meets the other Time Lord on Scarrow. Yes, already yeah. in Medias Rest, and uh, that was a good choice. Uh, that was actually the better choice. And, and, so. and stuff like that. So, you know, but another, another thing that he, he comments on is he, he actually hated what they did with the Vogans in Revenge of the Cybermen. He didn't like mm. the the the, uh, the whole Shakespearean look of them. He said that he looks a bit Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and he also he said he also admitted to um, saying that one of his mistakes with the with the Revenge of the Cybermen adventure was actually bringing in a different composer to do the incidental soundtrack to that episode. Mm. 
because that also just in you know it just it just became very apparent this composer hadn't worked on Tagavision before and was making all the wrong choices. <laughs> Oh dear. So he was never happy. He 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 saw and um, talked about not being happy with that. So, it was, so it was actually interesting. You know, I'd I'd love I'd love to get 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 a few minutes with Vinnie Pinching if. Maybe you can. I mean, the worst he'll do is say no, and he might say yes. Yeah, well, I've looked him up on IMDb, and there's no contact information for him. Mm, no okay. way, no way to contact him. So, um, but you know, he he he'd be a good one to talk to about um. About about gothic horror and stuff like that. Given that that, that yes. you know, like a lot yes. of his influences um, on Doctor Who came from that. Um, but yeah, we've we've mentioned some of the new releases of Big Finish. So I think um, is there any of the old ones that you that that you'd recommend to a newcomer? Yes, um, I am a vintage radio fan as well as a a general audio fan, and one of my favorite Big Finishes and one of the ones that I uh, first ones I bought was a uh, an eighth doctor adventure called uh the um the invaders from mars and it's basically a a love letter to uh, orson wells 1938 were the world's broadcast mm-hmm. and they 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 created an entire plot around it and mark gatiss wrote the story and this was done before the series came back so mark gatiss was was keeping his hand in uh the franchise with the tie-in stuff only, and he wrote this story, and it's it's just lovely, 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 okay. and it's it put together with such love, such and such tenderness. Mm, yeah, I I remember listening to it, rec- you know, fairly recently, and I remember while listening to it, I had quite a few similarities um, in in regards to its narrative structure to Idiot's Lantern. Yes, yes, you yeah. you can tell that Mark Gatiss lives in a particular niche uh in the in the storytelling and it's, it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. so well my my recommendation um you know this was the first big finish i ever listened to and uh, and i didn't own it at the time um a friend bought it round and um you know put it on my stereo and uh we sat there listening to it for about i think it was about three hours long <laughs> um and my recommendation that for breaking people in would be spare parts. Uh, which is Another Pete, excellent one. Pete I, Davidson. I'm very, very good. Very good. It's the origin of the Cybermen that we've never seen on the television at all, and it's also yes. a better origin story for the Cybermen than than, than they did in the uh, Tenant era. <laughs> yes, and and frankly, a better origin than they tried to redo in the latest uh, attempt with Twelve. I was not impressed with that. Yeah, but, it, was, it was a bit ham-fisted, wasn't it, Ring? It was like it was kind it of. Was, it was ham-fisted. I, I tolerated it because I I understood that Moffat was basically just doing it as, as a thank you to to Peter Capaldi, who truly just wanted the Mondasian Cybermen back. Mm. And it was actually very very obvious that that um, that that Moffat's heart wasn't in it. No, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. Um, but, you know, so like, um, you know, having Bill become a Cyberman, that that was kind of obvious, really. <laughs> that was what yes. happened. Um, they telegraphed that. Am I on that? Um, but, yeah, is there, is there anything else uh, you want to bring up, or should we just convene until after Comic-Con? I think we should convene until after Comic-Con. I think we are done. 
Okay, well, um, on that note, um, I'd like to thank you all for listening to to the show. Um, we we are um, now available on uh, Google Play. Um, just type in Sci-Fi Pulse Radio on your Google Play, and you can get us on there. We're on iTunes, and um, you know, here, there, and everywhere. You know, just look us up, uh, Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Um, But that's about all we've got time for this week. Hopefully we'll be back at you soon with more interviews and and stuff. Um, Or, you know, we've been summer and stuff like that. We're not really doing too much recording right now. So from me, it's goodbye. And um, Risa, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. This has been fun.